Let's grab our sticky notes. This is what I want you to do. You're like, why? Why do I have a sticky note? I know. This is what I want you to do. I want you to find a pen. Uh, There are some at the end of your rows, uh, if you have a pen on you. Uh, I want you to take a minute, and I want you to write down the number. The number that you would feel comfortable spending. So it's actually the dollar amount. The dollar amount that you would feel comfortable spending before calling your significant other, your partner, your spouse, someone that you're in relationship with. If you're not in relationship with someone, what is the dollar amount that you feel comfortable spending before you have to start making excuses to spend the money? For instance, my sister... Uh, If there is a piece of clothing that she really wants, but it's hard to justify it, she will say, you know what, but you know what the cost per wear would be? Right? Is that what you do too, Debbie? So what is the number that you feel comfortable spending before you start talking yourself into it or you call a friend? Olivia, just write down the number that you think is a lot of money. Okay? Whatever that is. And if you say a Google, that is too high. Come down a little bit. Everybody got it? Okay, so this is the number that you would spend on a Saturday, Charlie. This is not like, okay, I got to go buy tires. Uh Uh-uh. The number that you would spend on whatever your thing is. And I'm going to stall for one more minute and tell you what my thing is. My thing is, what is it, Sarah? Golf clubs? Yeah. Like, what is the number before I got to call Sarah and go, you know what, I think I'm going to buy a putter. Don't you have three of those? Yeah, 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 but this one will make me a better one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody got their number? Some of you don't want to say. Everybody got your number? Okay, so here, that was my joke, Debbie. Uh, Who wants to tell me, anybody want to tell me what your number is? I'm kidding. I'm only kidding. I don't want you to tell me what your number is. I kind of do, but I don't. It actually doesn't matter what your number is. This exercise, the sticky note exercise, I do with every couple uh, in premarital counseling. Sticky notes are sitting on the table. There's a pen right there. And I ask them to write down their number. And the reason I ask them to do this is not because the number actually matters. Chad, you could have written down $10, right? And Joanne, you could have written down $1,500. The number doesn't matter. Do you know what we have just revealed for ourselves, my friend? We've just set the baseline for what we think is value. What is value? Value, right, is what we think something is worth. It's why when my sister says, I don't know, I think I could buy that jacket and I can go into price per wear, we can justify its worth at the new perceived value. Right, Debbie? That's why you do it. You go, I think it's worth it to pay that. And so that's why I will reframe how valuable my money is. You want to know a trick? Here's a hack to see if I'm right. Go into your uh, credit card statement. Um, Not right now. Give it until, you know, some other time after service. Go into your credit card statement or your uh, bank account and look at how many charges you have that are actually under the threshold that you set. Take out big expenses like hospitalizations, but go into your bank account and look at daily charges and tell me that the majority of them are actually not lower than what the number is on your sticky note. This is what I want us to do. Friends, uh, money 
at its core is not evil, but if we don't get in right relationship with money and get really comfortable with this notion of value, it can lead to all kinds of things. I tell uh, the couples that I do premarital counseling with, um, this number will change. It'll evolve over time, right? You'll hit seasons of your life where that number will need to shrink. You'll hit seasons of your life where you won't even talk about what that number is. Some of you are like, wait a second. I, we never talk about this. Maybe we should talk about it. Yeah. But if we don't get in relationship with that, we can then perceive that the value we bring to the world or the relationship is defined by that amount. It often looks like this. Someone says, you know what, you are more valuable, so uh, we're going to invest in you, and you go work, right? And so you're off, and you're on a business trip somewhere in Napa because, you know, you have to go do that thing, and you had a wine tasting all day long. And um, that night, your significant other picked up the little ones uh, from uh, school, and you're driving them on the way home, and the littlest one throws up in the air conditioner vent right there in the middle of the back seat. And you know August will come back around. And you'll need that air conditioner vent. But you know now between then, you can't clean it. And they call you and you say, hi, honey, little stressful. How's the day? And they go, oh, it's fantastic out here. I'm loving it. I mean, I think we're going to close the deal and we've just had to do all this wine tasting. And you think, you know what? Who's providing more value? That's why we got to get comfortable with what our number is, and we got to get clear on uh, our relationship with money because if money de- uh, defines our value and how we make decisions, um, it's a slippery slope. A good thing the spiritual path provides us a way to reframe how we see money and how we understand value. It's why Jesus talks more about money than anything else. Sometimes our Puritan value system that we have inherited would lead us to believe that Jesus talks about other things more, but in fact, Jesus talks about money and value more than anything. And so I want to turn to a text today, and I want us to dig into this notion of value, and I want to see where it leads us. I believe today, this is what I want us to focus on, the difference between giving and stewarding. The difference between giving and stewarding, and I'm going to say that uh, our understanding, our, uh, how we understand value is the hinge by which that turns. Cool? How are we doing? Everybody with me? This is what we're going to do. We're going to turn to Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 38 through 44. You've heard this story a thousand times, but there is something happening in this text that I hope I have the opportunity to awaken us to that I believe is going to reveal what Jesus is really saying in this text. Listen now for the word of the Lord to all of us this day. Jesus, that's he, Jesus, sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. And many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Can I just pause here and say real real, real quick, people, uh, I grew up in South Carolina, they said every word in the Bible is literally true. I'm like, literally, they had a Greek word for penny. Penny is American currency, friends. So it was worth a small amount. Then Jesus called uh, his disciples and he said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. All she had to live on. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, um, we need to dig into the setting of this text 
And I think digging into the setting is going to help us see some things that we've never seen before. Uh, The temple had a treasury, otherwise known as the women's court, right? Uh, We'll hold off real quick on the photo. I'm going to get there. But in the women's court, why was it called the women's court? Because that was the place where women were allowed to go in the temple, but they could go no further, But turns out the women's court is the very place where you would come and you would bring your tithe, your temple tax. All of the women in the room, you're right. Wait a second. They told us that we could only go so far in the temple and they made that the place where we had to come and bring our offering, but we weren't allowed to go anywhere else. Yeah, you should feel that way. But in the women's court or the treasury, as our text says, there were 13 temple treasure chest in that women's court. Each one of those treasure chests uh, was marked designating a particular uh, offering. So we know, scholars tell us, uh, that those designations would have changed, but one of the things that wouldn't have changed was there were two chests that were designated uh, for your temple tax, which was two shekels a year. The two shekels in the temple tax was paid for maintenance of the building. The other 11 would have different designations on them, like um, a new HVAC system, or a new roof, or a new mission project, or, you know what, I feel like I've sinned, and so we need to offer a blood sacrifice. So here's some money, buy some turtle doves, and the priest would offer an animal sacrifice. All of these were designated. This, and can we put the slide back up? We have an image of what one of those treasury chests looks like. Pay attention. Uh, These are artistic renderings of small chest. Most scholars will say that um, the big chest made for the, uh, uh, the temple tax, three feet wide by 13 feet long, three holes drilled into the top, and those, they look like horns. They're made out of brass, right, or bronze. They are drilled in, and they are put in the top of the treasury chest. Why does this matter? Why does it matter? It matters because... You can see this. I I find this comical, by the way. The large mouth is put at the top so that um, the coins, when they go down, no one can reach their hand in and steal it out. Apparently, we have to do that at the temple as well. But what happens when everybody is in the women's court and they have to bring their offering? And you have uh, what scholars call, and the Hebrew or the Jewish tradition calls, trumpets. Imagine with me for a second, Jesus is sitting there, he's in the women's court, people are bringing their offering. Uh, The wealthy bring large sums and they put them into the chest. It, It would have been different, wouldn't it? For someone who brought a lot to make an offering, right? I don't know. You knew how much someone gave by the amount that they had put into the chest. You could make a show out of your giving. You have just revealed in some way your sticky note. 
Get it? Whatever your threshold for value is, when you show up in the temple, you have revealed that you never had to write down on a pledge card and reveal what the pledge card was. The sound alone would have signaled to the community how invested you were. And the question that is underneath the question, Mindy, how do you think the wealthy determined just how much they were willing to pour in? At some point, they had a question, right? They had a dinner conversation. They said, I don't know, how much should we give? I don't know, how much do you feel like? I don't know, I feel like that's, a, that's too little. I don't know, that feels like it's way too much. The negotiation for what the sticky note number was, was a question about value. And if we're not um, clear about our relationship with funds and money and uh, assigned value, it leads us into a place, Charlie, where we think we own what we put in. Spiritual path would actually reveal um, the places that we and the things we think we own in this world, how often do they actually own us? Right? What it means to give is uh, when we have this sense that we own things and we make a decision about how much we own we're willing to let go of value. So the wealthy come in and they pour um, they pour, they make huge sums. And then a poor widow comes and she has two copper coins, right? What must that have sounded like? It says everything. Would anyone have even heard it? I mean, look at this. I mean, if she Steph Curried it, King, she might have been able to put those two coins into that chest without ever touching a piece of brass. This is a person who is clear that they aren't giving. This is a person who is clear that perhaps they don't own anything. This is a person who has a perspective on life that is so fundamentally different than the culture. Of course she was a widow. I mean, of course. Widows see the world in a different way, don't they, Mayla? I mean, widows see the world in a different way. They have experienced darkness and pain and loss. And when you experience loss, it reframes everything you believe about what actually matters. When you've experienced loss, it reframes what you most value. This morning, right before uh, we came in here and we preached and we're doing all this, we had a columbarium service. And a service in the columbarium uh, to remember the saints that have gone before us. And some of you were there because you've lost a loved one uh, this year. And you gathered to remember, to give thanks to God for who they were in your life. 
And at that service, I said, we often can see in death what we so often miss in life. And what we often see in death that we miss in life is the things that we most value are ordinary moments. The things that we miss are what we most value in a phone call from one of your grandkids who calls you every Sunday or that your kid puts down the phone at the dinner table and you actually can have a conversation with them. Or like for me last week, I'm putting Olivia to bed and she reaches over and she grabs my hand. I could have wept the last time my daughter, we grabbed hands. Maybe it's not even the vacation that you go on with your beloved or your spouse. It's the the time that you actually take and the TV's off and you connect with one another. It's the times that most value, that you most value, is when you feel connected. And you and I both know not a price tag on that. So the widow reveals to us someone who has lost everything. We don't merely give. This is a woman who knows that in death, what do we actually own? This is a person who sees that their life is so connected to God that there is no place that they can go that is apart from God, that everything that they have, uh, every breath that they take, the God in whom they live and move and have their very being, they are so connected to that God that everything is actually not theirs. And so they steward, they see that every part of their life is a place where God is revealing God's love and grace and mercy. Every place in their life is a opportunity for God's restoration of the world. This is a person who gives everything she had because she recognized that none of it belonged to her. Of course, it takes a widow to awaken us to this good news. And the good news is this. This is a, a woman who knew a God who had been with her all of her days. And this was a woman who knew that God looked upon her life and didn't just see, well, her value is about 50%. Uh, you know what? Her value, I think we can get about 25% of goodness out of it. Uh, this is a woman who knew that when God looks down and looks upon, when God looks upon our very lives and looks at whatever sticky note of value we have, there is no sticky note exercise. <laughs> For this is a God that looks at all places in our lives and says, you have immense value. For you belong to me. And I love you. This is the promise that we know in God. Through the story of a widow. Oh, you, you should know your value. Because it has nothing to do with the number you wrote down. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much 
for your good news that has been told throughout the generations, for your good news that is made manifest through your people. Thank you for this good news that claims all parts of our lives is not only good, but all parts of our lives where we are fully loved. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.